Hello, and welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, uh, we played the song Born to Rise by Red Light King, which was the fourth and final song as part of the uh, Twitter poll to vote for the new theme song for the Boochcast, which we're going to uh, have for the next uh, two years here on the show. And this is, of course, Born to Rise by Red Light King. Fantastic song. And this song was actually chosen, interestingly, by my dad. 
My dad actually suggested this to me a while back, uh, and he showed me this song, and it's actually a song that my dad used as an intro theme when he was opening his hotel. So it was kind of cool. He kind of came out to that song, and it's actually a pretty cool song. I actually kind of like it, and um, it came in third place with 11% of the vote, and I'll be honest, uh, I definitely would have loved to have had this, uh, this win. And um, it was definitely an exciting song, especially the part where it says, I go to war with the brothers I trust and there ain't no stopping us. I feel like that song really expresses, um, you know, what we do here on the Boochcast. You know, me, co-host, brothers I trust. So I think it's a very, very good song, and particularly I definitely enjoyed it. And uh, hope you guys got a chance to enjoy the commercial break. So to those 11% of you that voted for that song, I thank you so much for your vote and contributing. And um, hope you guys will continue to listen to the show. And as my gift to you, that is the song you get to hear as part of the commercial break. And that that was Red Light King with Born to Rise here on the Boochcast. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get into the recap of NXT TakeOver New Orleans. And joining me once again to recap this amazing show, uh, a man who's been making quite a name for himself since (laughs) his uh, debut here on the the Boochcast. The NXT debut, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. He is uh, my next-door neighbor, big-time wrestling fan, uh, John Tumblin. Hey, everybody. Welcome again. Good, good, to, good to be back, Vinny. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you're very welcome, man. I'm glad you were able to uh, come back and do this again. Oh um, yeah, it's NXT. Absolutely, and I'm I'm a lot more coherent now than I was on the, the last debut. time. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was the as I said before. I'll say it again. The pollen kicked my ass. Pollen, Guys, I was pollen dying, Vinny. There, <laughs> I was out of it. I couldn't even see it. My left eye was literally like halfway shut. Looking like, like Rocky. Looking exactly. like Rocky after Apollo Creed. It was a it was a good one though. Yeah, cut me, Mick. I can't see nothing out of the eye. You just can't see. Uh, um, you know, it's like it's like it, I, I I literally couldn't see John Cena for the first time. No. Oh, yes, we made it through though, as he always does. As uh, as just like Rocky, you had the eye of the tiger. I did, and it you was great making it, making it through. <laughs> I made it through, and it was great. Everything worked out great. And uh, and speaking of great, this was one hell of a great paper. Oh my goodness! And Triple H, thank you so much from the bottom of my wrestling fandom heart, because everything about this NXT, but I'll let you go. God, it was it was it was an amazing show. It, it tore the house down. Of course we had the the first match of the evening. This kicked it off. Um and I was amazed by the length of this match and the brutality. But of course oh, yeah. we're talking about the ladder match for the NXT North American Championship. To crown the first ever, mm-hmm. we had EC three, Adam Cole, Ricochet, Lars Sullivan, the Velveteen Dream, and Killian Dane. Yes we did. It was a it was a great six way ladder match and uh but real quick before we get into that did you uh did you see how good that north american championship belt looks yeah it's it, it's akin to like a an old like an old boxing belt i thought i i really like the old style look of it it's brown which i like is me brown uh no other belt uh you know we have the white ic title uh we have the very you know red obviously red white and blue u.s title the blue background WWE Championship, the red Universal. We don't have any brown belts, so it's unique. Yeah, it's very old school, and it was weird because when I first saw a picture of it, it looked it looked red. I didn't realize till now that it looked brown. It's like, brown, you know, yeah. In a certain kind of light, it looked red. 
pound and, and, and I think it was like me and like El, me and uh, Elvis were all sitting there looking at it when it was on YouTube they were yeah. in Triple H unveiled and I'm like it's not on Raw why is it red like it looked red then when I saw it again when when uh in the in the championship when it was hiding above the ring I'm like did they change the color overnight or was it always like that it's a brown leather belt that was it's it's nice looking oh it's very nice yes so when I found it was brown I was like okay that makes better sense because why would you make a belt look red if it wasn't on Raw? Right, because the the NXT thing, it's very it, the NXT is the the very black and gold. Yes, like every other belt with the giant NXT in the middle. Other than the UK Championship, which I also feel like the UK Championship is great looking belt by the way. Oh yeah, and of course it was in, it was it's it's technically in its in a category all its own. That's why right. it's a completely different color. Right. But uh, at, at the same time, they defended on NXT to mm-hmm. add more belts, you know, to that division. So kind of like how the Cruiserweight title is like really purple because it's its own thing. So it has 205 Live, but it also is on Raw from time to time. So that's why they kind of have it in its own way. But yeah, belt looked fantastic. Oh, yeah, Very old school. And I like that because that's kind of what Triple H is trying to do a little bit with NXT. They want to make it its own brand. They want to make it different. So they give it a little bit of that old school mentality that – you know, the fans love. And because it's exclusively on the WWE Network, they can go to levels that the main roster can't do because they're on television and they have to appeal to, you know, TV and FCC rules and censors and things like that. And that's the thing people don't understand. I learned this just from my time on Terrestrial Radio. Like, there's a lot of bosses you have to answer to when you're putting stuff together. It's not just, oh, you have this content, you can put it out. You can, but there are people poking holes in it and putting their own flavor and telling you what you can and can't do things of that nature but nxt has that freedom and that's i think makes it great is the fact that they have the freedom and they take advantage of it and they take advantage of it in such a good way like this ladder match this this ladder match was uh and i i will admit i did read it on reddit today um but i saw that it was uh co-produced uh with Shawn michaels yes so him being one of the first people to be in a at least for for wwe a a ladder match one one of the beginning guys uh it felt uh it, it did feel like an old school match yeah and it put and it put a lot of that uh input in there because Shawn michaels has become very big with the performance center ever since he retired like he teaches like when if you're if you're a new guy in nxt and you're going through all the classes like to learn how to be a wrestler and go through all the stuff he teaches like the 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 last four advanced level classes like when you get to that level like when you're almost ready to either go on nxt or they're like you know what we're gonna call this guy up like Shawn michaels is the last teacher you get before you go up to that level it's like we're taking a beginner actor class or intermediate, and then there's the advanced level. Shawn Michaels is like your advanced teacher. He's your AP level <laughs> teacher for the for the high school kids out there who take like AP classes. Shawn Michaels would be like your AP wrestling teacher. Sure. So it makes perfect sense. And I love this match. I love the fact that EC. I love when EC3 came out first. Loved his music. Loved the reception he got from the crowd. I felt it was a little quiet at first, but maybe that's just because. It was from where I was hearing it, but I can tell that sometimes what you hear on TV and what the crowd does is totally different. I learned that just from being in the Superdome for WrestleMania, that sometimes you in the crowd, the crowd's a lot louder or a lot quieter than you would expect. Like, but I love the reception EC3 got. 
Of course, Adam Cole got his got his uh props in. Velveteen Pretty much the only one people that were quiet for was like Killian Dane, which is the only guy in the match. I'm like, why are you here? Lars Sullivan, kind of the same way, but I know he just came back on NXT, so they're trying to push him. I get it. It was two big men in here. They had to be represented somehow. Yeah, and I will say, I'll give them credit though. They did not disappoint. No, they did not. The brutality in that match was amazing. It- it so many good spots, so many bumps, good bumps in this match. Yeah, and that's what I loved about this: the fact that every bump that was taken, it wasn't all just shock and awe. Mm-hmm. Some, almost every one of them had a purpose and was done right. Like, like I, I will say, I think the most pain, one of the most painful spots was uh the rolling senton from Velveteen Dream with Ricochet. Like it was a great move, great spot. Both men looked like they were dead. Oh, yeah. I, I think at one point I actually screamed, "Holy fuck!" Because <laughs> I'm watching Takeover in my car driving back to Georgia. Because obviously at the time NXT Takeover was happening, I was on Bourbon Street. But you guys already know that from the story I told earlier in the show. But so I won't go too much into that. But as I was driving home, I'm watching Takeover, and I remember screaming in my car holy fuck and steven couldn't start laughing as we were watching this so that was definitely one of my favorite spots in the match if it wasn't the senton just the fireman carry senton off the ladder with those two if it wasn't the killian dane powerbomb uh in breaking the ladder with ricochet if it wasn't velveteen dream jumping off of the top not not the top rung, the tippy top of the ladder, doing his uh his best macho man elbow onto Lars Sullivan. Just now, when Velveteen Dream jumped off the top ladder, because to me to me that's the spot that sticks out the most out of everything in the match. He didn't fall off the top of that ladder. He didn't give a nice little jump off the top of that ladder he went for it he took a leap off the top of that ladder and he came down on lars sullivan it it was awesome the whole match was just good yeah i'm surprised lars sullivan's heart didn't just pop right out of oh his yeah. chest like he really hit that move like yes he, he did you felt like you felt velveteen dream when he you felt that when he jumped he was generally jumping and you knew he was setting his elbow up like he was lining it up like he was like, like he was a, a, like, a heat seeking elbow missile. Exactly. It was it was like I, I could actually see his elbow moving side to side, like <laughs> I'm aiming for the spot and then connecting. Like mm-hmm. it everything came together. It was one of the best um like I honestly I will say this. Best L drop I, elbow drop I've seen since the Macho Man. Since okay. Like that's mm-hmm. the kind of elbow drop I think the Macho Man would do. If he ever did a ladder match, which he never did and didn't need to. No. But, you know, but if, he, if, if the Macho Man was going to do an elbow off a ladder, I think that's how he do it. In fact, I think that's how he did it once. I think I think one time in WCW, he did an elbow off the top of a cage. And I think it was something similar to that. But obviously, Velveteen got more heights because he jumped a lot higher than Macho Man. Well, he's a, a Patrick Clark or Velveteen Dream is already a really tall guy as it is. Yes. Let alone being on top of a ladder. Um... Uh, I did very much like the finish. Not 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 the finish finish, but uh, I would say the climax of the match when they the three um, I guess pairs or feuds you have intermingling in this six way ladder match culminate in when they have all the ladders lined up next to each other. Yeah. When when all six guys are fighting each other at that one point, that uh, I I really did like the the intermingling of that 
the one feud sort of blurring into the other one because you have Ricochet, who has nothing to do with EC3, yet he's fending off EC3. Or Velveteen Dream, having nothing to do with Lars Sullivan outside of this match, is fending off him from the ladder while also dealing with the other on the other side. It, it was it was a good uh, culmination yeah. to it all. Yeah, and Ricochet and EC3, it made sense for them to be kind of going against each other because they're the two new guys. Yeah. They have no feud with anybody else. Yep. Meanwhile, Adam. Meanwhile, we've seen the shot. We've seen uh, the undisputed era going up against Sanity. That mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. Lars Sullivan going up against, um, you know, I think Velveteen Dream at one point. They might have had something going on. Maybe the two brief, big men, the two big guys. Yeah, yeah, they were very much. Everything was built blending together, so it made it was great. I. I, I and it's weird because there was a great spot, but I didn't even I didn't even catch that that there were feuds intermingling there. Like that was like wow. I, I now I think about it, I actually see that. Yeah, because they 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 set up the three ladders like that, and uh, the the only uh, one of the other big spots that that really jumps out at me was when Ricochet was climbing the ladder by himself. Lars Sullivan just does his big man thing and doesn't doesn't punch him off the ladder, but just decides to shove the ladder. And what does Ricochet do? Instead of just falling or jumping off, what does he do? He sets himself up for a nice uh, suicide dive or a, uh, a, a suicide moonsault yes. out of the ring in, into three other men. It was... It, it was um it was a very good debut for EC3 and Ricochet. Yes, it was like it was like they got the chance to have their uh their welcome to the show moment, and then everybody else happened. Then of course there's the moment where of course Adam Cole does the tip again. Unfortunately, Ricochet doesn't have a moonsault the time on that mm-hmm. one. He goes right into the ropes, and then that's when Adam Cole climbs up and uh grabs the championship. So Adam Cole becomes the new uh inaugural and the the inaugural. Sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah, and uh you know NXT North. American champion and um I will say was not my original pick no but not complaining not not at all not at all Adam Adam Cole I like I kind of like that you know he's you know they're gonna put that with them because obviously they want the undisputed era to hold a lot of gold but none of them are going for the NXT championship anytime soon no so to make Adam Cole the the inaugural North American champion it keeps the undisputed era dominant as they should be for now and it also allows them to you know allow them to have feuds with other people like we might see him and Ricochet you know down the road that could be a potential feud for them because since he was the guy that he took out of the picture and of course EC3 as much as I love the guy he don't need the North American title that's a guy you want to send to the main event as quick as possible because of his personality and everything and, and the accolades that he has. You want to put him at that level. So you want him to develop and become a future NXT champion. You don't want him worrying about the North American championship. The mid-card belt. Yeah, you, which is yeah, essentially it's the mid-card belt. And EC3 does not need to be mid-card. No. He is way he has way too many accolades. He is way too well known at least in that at least in that indie circle because the NXT guys know all the indie guys. And I'm and I know for and I'm and I'm I'm damn certain once he gets polished in NXT and he polishes up everything else he needs to do and gets himself established there, once he goes to the main roster, he's your next he's guaranteed intercontinental champion, potential WWE champion. I say I say potential because WWE has their own set of rules, yeah. their own set of regulations. It's a lot different than just being a TNA world champion or a Ring of Honor world champion or a, even a Lucha Underground champion, like WWE has their own sets of standards, so EC3 is going to have to meet those, and I I believe he can, but I can't guarantee that. 
but I can guarantee you he's Intercontinental Champion. I mean, even The Miz has been a world champion. I know. I know. <laughs> See, that's why I that's that, that that's why it's like I believe like if The Miz can do something, anybody can. Do it. Like it's not it's it doesn't make it believe that's why that's the only negative thing about the Miz holding a championship belt. It doesn't impress me. Like anybody can do this. <laughs> so the one the one uh comedic part to this match, do did you like when EC3 and Adam Cole, they worked together to take out the big men. And do you remember or when EC3 tries to get the crowd to do to, to, to do a EC3 baby and he just gets booed. Adam Cole then proceeds <laughs> to super kick him in the face and then he gets the entire crowd, Adam Cole, baby, and yeah. it's, it's after he super kicks everybody every, else after, after having a classic <laughs> super kick party. I loved it. The part that made me laugh the best was when the two of them before was like when the two of them were fighting over the ladder, and then all of a sudden Killian Dane got up, and you saw them both just slowly turn and look at Killian Dane, then slowly turn and look back at each other. And it's like, and they hit him with yeah, the ladder. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> fuck it, we hit him with the ladder. He's big like, enough, just take him out. I thought that was the best because it kind of made them both go, you know what? We need to get rid of these two because they're going to be the toughest part. Yeah. And I love that. Like that moment in the match when two people just look at the other guy and go, we need to hurt him. Whether it's a big guy we need to take out or just somebody who's flat out annoying. Him first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that usually happens with the Miz a lot mm-hmm. in triple threat matches because usually two guys will beat each other and the Miz is like, yeah. Beat his ass, beat his ass, and they both just go. No, no, what? you first. Yeah, exactly. So they kick his ass, and then the, and then it's like, okay, we took out the trash. Now we can settle this. So I like that. That so that was a great moment in the match for me. And on that note, we're gonna move on to the next match of the evening. We got um the NXT Women's Championship match. Ember Moon puts a title on the line against Shayna Baszler. Um, first, Ember Moon's entrance really sweet. Because she got the uh, she got the champion live entrance um, on a greater I would say overall note for the show though I did think the crowd they weren't dead for this match not at all because it's NXT I feel like I feel like there are better fans for NXT than main roster but I felt like the the crowd was slightly dead for this because of the six way ladder match they just saw how do you it would be hard for any match to follow what they just saw. Yeah. And you put the women's match there, and, I, you know, something has to be after the six-way ladder match, but at the same time, you kind of, the crowd is, the, the crowd needs to recharge their, their, their crowd batteries. Exactly, but this is, the, this is one of the problems and disadvantages with NXT and how they put things together. They don't have rest matches. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, like, like the, the the big main pay per views do. They'll throw in a match that's like nobody really cares about to kind of like. War- that's why a lot of times, like, you'll see like the two big time main events at a pay per view, and then you'll see a random match in between, like an impromptu or two random jobbers or a women's battle royal. And there's like, why is this like the second to last match? It's like, and I, I used to say that all the time for like for a long time when I first started watching wrestling, I'm like. This is stupid. This match doesn't need to be here. Why is this here? And then someone tells me it's to cool down the audience before the next big match. It gives you a chance to to rest what you saw. It's kind of like when when you have this guy who does like – it's like stand-up 
when a guy does like a killer set, but the, so the host will do a little bit of extra time in between to kind of calm the audience down before they bring out the next heavy hitter. So the next guy that comes out, they're just, you know, the guy, he gets his jokes, but the crowd doesn't either doesn't think they're funny or just gets, the, you know, the, the light murmurs in the crowd. It's like, well, because we just laughed our ass off of the previous guy here. Oh, I've seen, and I've seen that happen where a guy will go on stage and destroy, they bring up the next comic, they're still laughing at there's the, the previous guy at the previous guy so they're not even listening to what the other guy's saying i've seen it that, that's why some comments are like the guy goes up it's like oh shit i gotta follow him like you really that's scary and now sometimes that it's a challenge that every comic goes through it makes you a better comedian in the end but you know at the same time it's like this sucks like i've been in situations like that where i had where i go to a club and i'm like you know what? I'm gonna try some new material tonight. Then the guy in front of me will just destroy the room, and I'm like, "Not fuck trying the new shit. Yeah. Bring in the A game. Yeah, not trying new material tonight. I, I gotta bring out the old stuff I've been doing for the last like three months because I, I need survival. And then I'll go to another club and be like, "All right, I can do the new stuff here." Like so, but yeah. But but the point I'm trying to make is that it th there is no rest matches, so they just gotta go. Oh yeah. But what's great about this match is the fact that because it's Shayna Baszler, they're not doing too much. So yeah, it's submission match. Yeah. It's kind of a rest match, but it's not at the same time. Like, they're still going. They oh, can yeah. still move. It's just that because of the submission, it's a lot of rest holds, a lot of counters, and things like that. So it was more of a basic match than anything else. So The, the spot of Ember Moon dislocating Shayna Baszler's shoulder, was a, it was a great spot. It was a great little kick the way that the way that it was sold. And even furthermore, the the gripping of the metal um ring post and shoving her shoulder into it to 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 knock her dislocated shoulder back in the socket. Great, great story, was sold well. Shayna Baszler really uh proved tonight to me that she is capable and ready to hold a women's belt. Yes, because she not only proved that she's a great athlete, which everyone already knows from yep. her time in the UFC, but also that she has psychology. Like you said, the look, because she, because that moment when when Ember stepped on her fingers, because her arm was set up, and because again, this is stuff that, and it's great, and this is another thing that is also a key in wrestling, and you know, you have, and some people have to look at this because a lot of people will focus on the moves and the flips and everything else, and they're very entertaining. But moments like this is what makes a wrestler great, is when you see the the way she slowly moves her head, the timing, the look of genuine fear in her eyes, because she knows, I'm about to get my shoulder dislocated, and I can't do nothing about it. Because that's the kind of fear you have to have. Like, when you, it's that fear when you know you're fucked, and you've gotten, and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, whether it's even it, like you know that moment where someone's got your arm or got your leg or got something, if you're, especially if you're in a fight with somebody and you know, I ain't getting out of this. She showed it, sold it, and then I love that when I saw her putting that arm back in the socket, it reminded me of Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> here's why. Because when Mel does he, – when he gets that hit, he's like he, – he does that scream. Like, it was like, oh, well, you know that shit hurts. It, but then then uh, I did it in high school. In the middle of the, in the, uh, in the, middle of the lacrosse game, I, I did, uh, did dislocate my shoulder. Uh, the trainer came up to me, and he said, uh, he said, this is going to hurt for about 15 seconds. And I was like, what do you mean? Before I could finish the sentence, what do you mean? He 
popped it back into place. And he's not wrong, or he wasn't wrong. It was excruciating for about 10 to 15 seconds, and then the pain starts to decrease because your bone is back where it should be. Yeah. Uh, It still was bruised afterwards and a couple days later, but I'll tell you, I, I got to play the rest of that game. Awesome. Uh, But uh, from experience, I know what that w- does feel like. Yeah, and Shayna was able, like I said, and, and, w- and whether it was really dislocated or not, you know, either way, she she held her arm the exact, the right way to make it look that way. Yep. She sold the screaming, just everything. Like, moments like that is like, because some people, especially wrestlers, they'll forget to do things like that. The little things. The little things. It's the little things that capture everything. Like, like, like if you're handcuffed to a ring post and you got to rip it off, like, make sh- even though you know it's gimmicked and you can easily rip it, you got to sell it like you can't. Like, the, um, I, I know I know, I have a habit of doing this, but I'll just do it anyway. This is a great story. Uh, I, it's a great story because Jake the Snake Roberts himself told me this story. Okay. He was booking in Georgia, Georgia Championship Wrestling. This is a very old territory. And King Kong Bundy was one of his main guys. And he was this guy, this monster that was beating up everybody who's part of this faction. So they had a thing where they were going to handcuff him to the post. And at one point, he was supposed to break out of the post and just beat the hell out of everybody. But the whole match, he's supposed to – now, the whole purpose was he was supposed to kind of move and jerk his body in a way to where he doesn't break the actual chain. But play, play that it was, he yeah. was changed. So right. that when he finally rips it off, it's like he really ripped that shit. Like he's supposed to go struggle, 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 and then finally when the time is right, boom! And everybody goes nuts, like holy shit, he's he ripped off so the friggin' handcuff. Yeah. But Bundy at the time had a listening problem, so he just straight up jerks his arm and in one shot rips that thing off, so you know it wasn't fake. And then gets in the ring, starts beating the hell out of everybody. Jake loses it. <laughs> yeah. Jake was like, Jake was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like he telling me the story about how the whole. Think the whole match was botched after that because people didn't expect him to be out of there so so soon. He's getting they're hitting them. They're like, I guess we gotta take these bumps, and the whole match got thrown out of whack. So little things like that can mess up a really great match. So you gotta pay attention to those little things, and that's exactly what they did. And I also love the fact that you know there was a genuine like what I loved about it. This is my was the finish when she locks in her submission, and Ember Moon is ripping away at the arm. She's like slamming the oh, arm, her, yeah, at that shoulder, at that shoulder, to, yeah, yeah, trying to break it, which is genius. And then. And I'm sitting there going like, what the hell's going on? And then Mara Ranallo points it out. She takes her arm and grabs her own hair to hold in the submission. I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah. I thought that was the most genius thing I've ever seen. So she's grabbing her own hair and eventually chokes her out and becomes the women's champion. And that's what I loved because it didn't bury Ember Moon. Nope. And Shayna gets the spotlight because she fought with a dislocated arm and still walked out with the women's championship. And then she gets the embrace from the uh, the other uh, – two of the other members of the four horsewomen of UFC, which was Ronda Rousey who's in attendance and Jessamine Duke who's the other uh, – Remember, so it's her, it's them, Shayna, and the fourth girl whose name I can't remember off the top of my head right now because she wasn't at the event. But it was just great to see. And Shayna, and Shayna, and like I said before, Shayna proved she deserved that women's title. She, she is, she is, she is a phenomenal heel. Can before we before we get off this, I at least want to uh, to say so. The little nitpick I have is I, I was I was a, after now seeing uh, Baszler Moon essentially three because they had some altercations on NXT TV. Yeah, 
But finally, after the third match, did it not get a little tired to you to see Ember Moon just sit in holds, like submission holds, for literal ever? Yes. Shayna Baszler is supposed to be the submission magician. I get it. But Ember Moon should not be able to just sit in a submission for as long as she did. Because... Now both of the matches on the takeovers, she sat in what she sat in holds for it felt like extended minutes before before she broke it or got to a rope. So the fact that Shayna Baszler finally uh, put her to sleep, women's champion changes hands, and as you and I just saw, I was real happy for what happened on Raw tonight. Yeah, Ember Moon's call-up was amazing. I was very, very impressed with that. But uh, obviously, you guys already uh, we've already we've already talked about Ember's call-up, but it was very, very impressive. Great, great debut. And um, on that note, we're gonna move on to the next uh, match. Here we got for the NXT Tag Team Titles Triple Threat match, also for the uh, Dusty Rhodes Cup, which I thought was odd, but okay, that's how they wanted to do it. I was like, the authors. Uh, we got the uh, the Undisputed Era. Uh, Adam Cole having to fill double in. Double duty. Do double duty because Bobby Fish is injured. So him and Kyle O'Reilly team up to take on the Authors of Pain and the shocking tag team that made it here, Pete Dunn and Roger Strong. Before we get to the match, did you not love the promo that Adam Cole cut between the match where they're in the locker room? Yeah. And the trainer's looking at him. He's, oh, God, you know, he's, he's wincing in pain. The trainer's putting that wrap on him. He's telling Kyle O'Reilly, I don't know, I don't know if we can do this, man. Oh, my God. Oh, we got to call this match off. You know what I mean? Because as we discussed earlier, Adam Cole just went through hell yeah. in that ladder match. And now he's got to send his ass right back out there and defend these tag titles. Yeah, the only, And the only advantage he's got is that they don't necessarily have to be the legal men. Yep. That's, that's the only advantage they got. Because sometimes there's usually two guys who start the match and you can tag somebody else in. So both of them can sit out there and... I think Kyle O'Reilly kind of knows in the back of his head, I'm doing most of the yes, work in this he, match. Yes, and he you're, did. Too. You're not tagging in Adam Cole unless you are desperate. Like, that's when Adam Cole gets in. When Kyle O'Reilly's at the point where, all right, I got to tag in, man. I'm either tired or I'm getting my I'm ass dead. whooped. I'm dead. <laughs> you you, here. You've got a little bit more energy than me right now. So, And that's kind of how I thought it would go. Like, Adam Cole would kind of just sit there for most of the time. Kyle O'Reilly do most of the work. Then Adam Cole would take the tag when needed and then use his ass ounce, last ounce of strength. But... That's not um, how it went, did it? That's not how it went. This was an amazing match, of course. Um, you know, I think uh Adam Cole recovering at ringside, he was powerbombed through a table. Immediately. Immediately. Before the bell rang, the authors of pain basically nab him, beat him up, and powerbomb him through the Mexican announce table. And uh goodbye, Adam Cole, for the match. He was dead yeah. the whole time. I think that was a great way to write Adam Cole out of the match for a period of time. Yeah. Because you could tell he needed that break. Yeah. There was realistically that I'm surprised he like you could tell he practically limped to the ring. Mm-hmm. Kyle Riley was the first one out there. He's doing the pose, everything, and Adam Cole's just like, Yeah, I'm here. So first, real quick. Can we talk about how when the Undisputed Era music hit, you you ever see when someone is in another match or they're injured and their music hits, or okay, even better, they have a blood feud with somebody, okay? Vinny, when their music hits and they come out to their music all happy, cheery, and smiles on their face, Vinny, if you don't like somebody and you're walking out to that fight, are you happy? Are you smiling? No. No. When Adam Cole's, or when the Undisputed Era music hit, Kyle O'Reilly comes out, he's got this this look on his face like, oh shit, we're about to drop these tag titles. 
and Adam Cole comes out, for a second, you don't even think he's going to come out because the music hits and it takes him a second to walk out of the back. Just Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era need to take every ounce of advice that Triple H is giving them and just, just keep going because they're taking it and it's so good. So exactly. Good. You have to look scared. Oh, yeah. Because that's how you sell it. Like, Adam Cole's not allowed to come out there and be happy. No. He's not allowed to be happy about this. Even though he just won the inaugural North American Championship, he's about to, in his mind, he's about to drop the tag team titles. Yeah. Like, he like he had his moment when he won the title, doing the whole Adam Cole, baby. Yeah. He can't do that with a tag team title match. No. He has to have that look of terror in his eyes, like, I'm about to die. Yes. You I'm Again. Exactly. Like that is you're not allowed to be happy, and that is great. Like again, there's again, they're selling it. Like Adam Cole, he knew when to do it, and when and I give him credit for that. He knew, okay, this match, I'm allowed to be me. In the tag title match, I gotta sell a whole nother ball game. Now yep. Kyle O'Reilly can be happy if he wants, but slightly, slightly more. He's still worried too. They're gonna drop because yeah. he knows he knows I'm doing this shit on my own. I, essentially, because yeah. I got no partner. My partner's injured. Right. And so Adam Cole gets sent through a table. Yes. Basically, now match start. Yes, and then of course the uh, and then of course I'm loving it because Pete Dunne and Roger Strong chemistry was clean in house. Cleaning house. The even the authors of pain don't know what hit him. Nope. And it's kind of interesting enough. I think because Roderick Strong kind of knows how the authors of pain operate mm-hmm. from War Games because he teamed with them. So you could tell this is a crazy moment with them. Like I think like that. Like obviously the authors of pain like we're winning the tag belts either way, but they also know we went to war with Roderick Strong on our side. I think Roderick is kind of I know their playbook a little bit. So I can so I can work around this. I kind of got that vibe when I was watching them fight. It was just great. And Pete Dunne, and of course their their chemistry. They love their their tag team combos, everything. And of course the Office of Pain, they they do what they do. But they're big men. Yes, but I I gotta be honest. Um, even though even like even though we just saw them finally show up on Monday Night Raw, finally, I just I could not. Every time they got offense in this match, I couldn't enjoy it because I kept thinking to myself, y'all have done everything here. You go. don't need to be Go here. be on the main roster, boys. Go, go. <laughs> you don't even need to be winning. The fact that you could even win this makes me sick. And I don't mean that in a bad way because, like I said, I don't hate them. I just don't want you down here. Go up there. Mm-hmm. You've done it all. So I couldn't enjoy any offense from the offensive painting this match. But like I said, Roger Strong, Pete Dunne had my attention, especially at the end. I got to, oh man, that was crazy. He hits, they hit that, he said, admit the bitter end. He's got the pinfall. I'm like, oh my God, we're about to get new tag team champions. New tag team champions. One, two, Roger Strong beats up Pete Dunne, turns on him, hits the end of heartache, drives Kyle O'Reilly on top, and gets the one, two, three. The Undisputed Era wins with help from Roger Strong. Undisputed Era retains. Roderick Strong has this this just ear-to-ear grin on his face. And what does he do? He drags Adam Cole into the ring. He takes off one of his armbands. He puts on the Undisputed Era armband. He does the Undisputed Era with them. They take their tag belts, walk up to the top. Uh, I did like I did like the, that uh, Fish came out and... Uh, all posed next to the Dusty Cup, and they have the tag belts. All four are doing the Undisputed Era, and uh, the, the little hand symbol, and it it was a great swerve. Never saw it coming. Oh, not even a not even a hint of me saw that coming. 
And the thing is, what I love most about it, neither did Cole and O'Reilly. No. Because they had no. the look on their face because because like, they're like, what the hell's going on? And then he grabs Roderick's arm, and then he just – then he rips off his wristband. Again, he's shocked. Thinking he's going to get kicked or beat up at first. And then all of a sudden, he puts – as he puts it on, you see the – you see their emotions change where they realize – at an instant. At an instant. Because they went from like, what's he about to do? And then they're like – and then here's the thing. They start – they start – they start like being all giddy. They like they look like little schoolboys on Christmas morning. They're like, "Oh my god, he did it! Well, they put the band on." They own half the gold in NXT right now. Yeah, all they're missing is the UK Championship, which I think now Roger Sean's gonna go for. And here's yep. what I loved about it, and it's one it's one thing I talk about is that everyone if this team was gonna break up, everyone's expecting Pete Dunne to turn to turn on him. That's what you're expecting because he's the glorified heel. He's the solo guy and he needs help. They turn Roddy heel, which was very much needed. Because I feel like with all the new stars getting caught up to the main roster, because I'm still not quite sure wh- where EC3 is. Because he sounded like a baby face when he spoke to Regal, but the way that uh, Mal Ronaldo and all the other co- and the commentators were talking about him, he seemed like a heel. He kind of had a heelish like way to him. He needs a couple more weeks in NXT. We can feel him out. Yeah, we need to really feel this out. But I. But I so I don't know quite know where he is. But if assuming EC3 is a face, they got a ton of baby faces on there. They need a lot more heels. So for Roddy to go that route is great because it puts him in another direction. Because he was getting kind of stale as a face because he was lost the shuffle. By turning him heel, it gives him more opponents to work with and gives him more of an attitude. And because the four of these guys were all together in Ring of Honor anyway, it makes sense. It makes sense. Roddy comes in, so it was a great. It was a It was a matter of time. Eventually, he finally joined the Undisputed Era, and no one. And the best part is, is that it worked because with all the crap he's gone through with the Undisputed Era, we thought, okay, he's obviously not going to join them. So when I saw him put that armband on, I was like, oh shit, this is real. I loved it. That's I, a that's a real life faction, Vinny. Yeah, that's a that's a real faction now, and they got the gold. They're backing up. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you, I don't. I don't get – I personally do not get swerved often, WrestleMania being the biggest exception, but that genuinely went, oh, my God. I, like, I jumped out of my seat I felt like I was a kid, watching it live. I felt like a kid again because that did not happen. Like I said, I do not get swerved often, but when I do, it's it's great sometimes. <laughs> WrestleMania being the exception. This is a good swerve. See, this See this is a swerve done right. Absolutely. Let me make that very clear. <laughs> Triple H done – a Triple H swerve. Yes, Triple H is is better at swerves than than Benny Mac. But uh, on that note, we're gonna move on to the next match we got here. Uh, we got the NXT title. Andrade Cien Almas defends against Aleister Black. This match, I will have to admit, this match was not as good as Gargano Almas in the last in Takeover Philly, but. Alistair Black is is fantastic in the ring. He will be a superstar in main roster. He will he will fight for for titles when he gets up there because he is good at what he does and on that note also I agree so is Andrade. Andrade also is very good in the ring, very good at telling a story. Um I think Zelina Vega in this match had just enough cheating to where no words need to be spoken. We don't need to be told that they together are heels. It just, through through actions alone, you can tell that she and him cheat to win. Yes. It's great. They, they make a great heel pair. They really do. And 
I will say, like, I do believe sometimes it's a lot of overkill, though. I think sometimes too like, many spots. In too this many match spots. For her. Yeah, like you usually when you're a manager, you get two, maybe three tops. She had six, I believe. I counted. Yeah, like, and the thing is, this is the thing. I don't mind if, if you're going to be a manager and you're going to cheat for your client. I, like I like the things where you you put the foot on the rope. That's a fine one. That was a good spot. Distracting the referee. I'm fine with that. If you're, if, or if you're like Mr. Fuji, where you got like sand and stuff that you throw on the guy's face or something, but you're known for that, that works. Or if you got a cane and you hit the guy with the cane, like Gator Ricky, like Gator Ricky Ross used to do. You know, when he when he worked on the Indies, he used to hit people with a cane, and you know it works when you got a weapon or something like that. But this Hurricanrana head face buster thing in into the steel steps, and then the second. As you as you told me earlier, the second hurricane rana into this the the spike. Yes, I don't like it. I don't like it. First of all, if Zelina Vega is not going to be a wrestler, she shouldn't be doing wrestling moves. Unless you're going to put her in the ring. First of all, second of all, it weak. It make it doesn't make the guy look good at all. Yeah, he was dazed. All right, fine. This no, it doesn't work that way. You know, even, especially if the guy's like six foot tall and he has to get on his knees for the move to even have any merits. It doesn't work. It's stupid. It's emasculating, and it doesn't benefit the storyline. Especially if Andrade covers somebody one, two, three after that. Sure as hell is not going to make him look look cool. And I know he's a heel, and, and this is going to be obviously like I know heels are supposed to cheat. I'm not blind to that. If I was, I wouldn't have. If I was, I wouldn't have a successful podcast. If I was one of those guys that felt that heels shouldn't cheat to win, it's, it's I, their job I, to cheat. It's, to it's win. their job to cheat to win. But you got if you're going to cheat, you got to cheat right. You know, there's there is such a thing as overkill. There is such a thing as doing it wrong. And the Spike Hurricanrana thing is wrong. Everything else I was fine with. You 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 are correct. If they if they left the spots at the foot on the rope, the grabbing of the belt, and you know play you know play oh oh uh, Andrade here use the belt as a weapon. Referee's obviously going to stop it because Zelina made it very obvious that uh, she did it. You know that spot's good. The the distracting of the ref, all three of those spots, great heel spot. But you you are one hundred percent correct in that the the the, the wrestling. Is unnecessary. It, it is like, uh, especially if you're not a wrestler. Like that's the thing. Like, like you, like, it's, like it's different when you got somebody like where Triple H is gonna wrestle and Shawn Michaels is in his corner and there's a spot where Michaels hits somebody with a sweet chin music. We've seen Shawn do that. Shawn's a legit wrestler. That makes sense. Selena Vega has made it is, has not been in the ring. Okay, she what she has no wrestling background that we know about. That's been made. She's already been made it clear. She's a businesswoman. She does handling stuff. She's basically Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman with a vagina. Yeah. And, and a full head of hair. Yeah. That's basically it. So she should not be doing stuff like that. So that's the only issue I had. Other than that, the match went great. And Aleister Black finally becomes finally. the NXT champion. We, we can fade to black in NXT. Uh, uh, now, you you being the Finnish connoisseur that you are, Vinny, how, how did you feel about the finish? I liked it, but I know I know you uh, you you judge those a lot harder than most. Yes. Um, I gotta just got to double-check here on my notes. Uh, yes. Uh, Almas looks for the DDT again. Black throws him out the ringside. Black falls up with a big suicide swanton bomb onto Almas. Black throws Almas back in the ring. Hits the hammerlock DDT, but Black kicks out. Vega runs in, but misses Black and lands on Almas. Almas catches her. Then Black hits the Black Mass on Almas for the three count. Loved it. Just for the simple fact that even though I said before the amount of interference that she had was overkill, the fact that she interfered one too many times, made the mistake, and Black capitalized on it 
was perfect in that regard. Mm -hmm. So because Zelina Vega felt the need to make this a handicap match and screwed it up for her client makes it even better. Because now on an, on next week's – on not next week's NXT, not this coming NXT, but the next one. Yeah, two weeks from now because – this is the thing about takeovers, for those who don't know. They have the takeover event, and then the Wednesday following it, they just do highlights of New Orleans, and then they're going to do three matches that were dark matches before it starts, and that's what they do. They do that, and then next week, they're going to start the next round of NXT taping. So eventually, when Andrade and Selena make their way back into NXT television, they're gonna. there's going to be a lot. I think there might be dissension between them. Something's going to happen. I think Andrade's going to get pissed. He's going to blame Zelina. It was her fault. Yeah, and Zelina's going to be like, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even be champion. Like, this could cause some tension. Oh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and I think there might be something where they're going to try to get back on the same page and get Alice and get uh, Andrade his rematch. And then if Andrade loses his rematch, then I see either one or two possibilities. Either Andrade's getting called up or, Zel- or him and Zelina are going to break up. One yeah. of those two is going to happen. So we haven't seen SmackDown yet. That's tomorrow night. Yeah. Andrade might get called up. <laughs> In which case, this is going to sound really awkward. <laughs> it, it might, but, you know, we'll see what tomorrow brings. Absolutely. And uh, on that note, um, let's see. We're going to move on to the main event of the evening. The unsanctioned match. Was not expecting this to be the main event, but very glad it was. Well, wait, wait. If you think about it, how long is nor- how long normally is an NXT takeover? Two hours. Two hours. When did that match start? It's at, towards the end. Towards the end. This is a three-hour show. If you technically... See, this... Damn you, Triple H, for being so friggin' creative. A normal NXT TakeOver would have ended with Almas and Alistair. But this was an unsanctioned match. This was not part of NXT TakeOver. Now, air quote, it was, but it was an extra match on top of the two hours that we would have gotten. So if you want to be technical about it, we got a main event in Almas and uh, Black, and this was just an extra match. That is brilliant. It, I did not think of that. That is so awesome. The little things, as you discussed earlier, the referee coming out already wearing all black, already having gloves on. Yeah. Why would he need gloves? Because this is a street fight. This is an unsanctioned street fight. You would assume he's going to need gloves eventually, so F it. Put them on and put them put them on before it even starts. Exactly. That is that is brilliant. I did not even think of that, and uh, that that works. That makes perfect sense to give them that extra hour to just uh, mm-hmm. kill each other. And damn, like I love it. Like some, I, what I thought was weird was uh, Tommaso comes out. He has no music. The his music is the the ever ever so fiery white hot heat of the crowd they hate champa and it is great no music just f u champas and asshole asshole f u champa just it's great great heel it was great it was amazing and was and then Chaga Gallardo comes out and he's got music which i i understand where you're coming from from a heel standpoint but I kind of felt like, okay, Johnny's the one who's fired. Shouldn't he be the one that doesn't have music and Tommaso should come out with something? But it would make sense. It would. Like, Johnny shouldn't have music. He's not employed. I mean, it makes sense that he has gear because the wrestlers make their own gear. Sure. So obviously he still has it in a bag and can bring it to the arena. So I believe that. But why would you cue music for a guy you that doesn't technically work for you and is fighting to get his job back? That, that, that part didn't make any sense. But 
either way, we saw this, and I remember we were talking before, before, before we went on the air, about how a lot of people were disappointed in this match. The people, so what I was reading on Reddit was people weren't disappointed by it. They were, they went into the match thinking they, their mindset was in a different spot because they expected a wrestling match. They expected a basically an extreme rules wrestling match. That is not what we got. We, as, as you, as you, uh, very schooled me earlier on the history of it. Uh, yeah, we got an unsanctioned match, which is not a wrestling. It's not. It's supposed to be. It was a fight because it was supposed to be a fight. And this is and I'll, and I'll tell. I'm gonna I'm gonna make an example. Like the thing about an unsanctioned match is, and this is the thing about wrestling in general. And I remember Al Snow said this. And this is one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard. He said the secret to wrestling is you have to work the gimmick of the match to tell your story. Do your business. Because everybody is obsessed about having a five-star match. They want to steal the show. They want to put it in their back pocket and say, I was the king that night. Which should be the mentality you have to a degree. You should want to have the best match on the card. You should want to stand out. But at the same time, you got to go within the confines of what story you're trying to tell. Now, if you're having a straight-up wrestling match where the only concept is try to win, not lose, then the wrestling moves make sense. But this is not just two guys who want to wrestle each other. This is a guy, these are two friends whose relationship ended. Tommaso Ciampa turns on Johnny Gargano after they lose the tag team titles. Puts him on the shelf. Tommaso, due to an injury from the match, got put on the shelf. Johnny kind of came back before Tommaso. So Johnny can't get his revenge yet, so he's focusing on other things, other rivalries. Singles career. Singles career, trying to get the NXT title. He finally gets an opportunity at it, gets a couple opportunities. Tommaso finally returns, screws him out of that opportunity, costs him his job. Yep. So now, Johnny wants revenge again. So these are two guys who, who, who generally became friends, hate each other, and want to kill each other. So they had to have this fight. Best example is, like, it's like when Rikishi ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. When Stone Cold came back, he was not looking. Even Mick Foley said, I'm going to give you a match and no mercy. Austin flipped. He goes, wait, wait, wait. You want to give me a match? A wrestling match? This guy ran me over. I've been sitting at home for 10 months, not knowing if I'm going to wrestle again or even walk again. And you want to give me a wrestling match? I don't want a wrestling match. I want to run this son of a bitch over my truck. Then I want to put it in reverse and back up over his fat ass. And he's like, no, 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 no. And Mick Floyd says, no, I'm giving you a no-holds-barred match where you can do whatever you want to him, and it's all legal. Nobody goes to jail. And Austin's like, well, now you got my attention. So we, And that's what we saw at No Mercy. These two did not fight. He said, I'm not going to do arm drags. I'm not doing suplexes. I'm whooping his ass because that was the match they were supposed to have. Now, can Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano put on a five-star wrestling match? They could. Absolutely. We all know that. But that wasn't what this match was about. About. No. It wasn't about who could do the best suicide dive, who could do the best, you know, suplex. Who's there was no chain wrestling involved. It was about the fact that these are two guys who want to kill each other. That's like with the ladder match. Those are phenomenal wrestlers. Yes. But their job was not to beat each other up with those with amazing moves. Their job was to climb a ladder. Which is why you saw a ladder more than anything else. Because their job was, we got to climb this ladder and grab that belt. So no matter what they do in that match, no matter what your job is, no matter how many moves you do, no matter how you tell the story, at some point you have to tell the story to where it makes sense to how you transition to the ladder. How do we get to the ladder? How do we get to climb the ladder? And how does one of us grab that belt? Whatever happens in between, as long as it fits within the confines of the ladder, like for example, like we mentioned before, when Adam Cole tipped the ladder 
and Ricochet did that that moonsault. It wasn't like Ricochet didn't go, I'm going to do a moonsault for the hell of it. No, I'm about to fall. There's two guys might out well, here. Might as well turn into offense. Yeah, might as well take these two out while I'm at it. Boom. So it made – so that's that's the wrestling psychology. And that was their job, and they did the job well. These guys, This is one of the most violent matches I've seen that didn't have blood. And it, did, it didn't need blood. It didn't need blood. I'm just saying, I was shot. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. These, it was amazing. Like the whether it was the the, the my favorite part was the power bomb onto the concrete oh, floor. The the just the thud that Champa's back and probably slight skull area make on that just bare pavement. Oh mm-hmm. man. Well, unlike Mick Foley, uh, Champa tucked his chin. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's if you look real closely, you can see him tuck his chin as he's coming down. So just his back hits. So what, that is what's best for business. Yes. To tuck your chin. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah. As great as legend, Mick Foley is a legend, one of the greatest of all time, but never got the memo on that. <laughs> he, that man, that man had a high tolerance for pain. He didn't like it, but he could respond, but he responded to it, which is amazing in itself. The, the power bomb onto the pavement, the just utter disregard for the other human being in this match the the just when gargano finally gets the crutch he lays into champa like it is his well tonight it was his job but it was his job to hit champa as hard and as many times with that crutch as he could it had to be violent like that was the key thing this had to be a fight and you had to feel like these two wanted to kill each other and that they were doing things outside of the rules of what NXT does. Because the rules of NXT match are, there are no rules, but the ref, the referee, the one ref in charge, has all authority. He's the only one that has the authority. So if the referee tells you no... Then it's no. It's up to the it's up to the ref to make to dictate the rules going forward. And he, and all and then he either counts the pinfall or or records the submission. That's it. But the ref can and the, all the other rules are left up to that one referee to to just make sure these two don't murder each other. And that's pretty much his only job. They but they can do whatever they want. And WWE holds no liability. That's what the unsanctioned match is. It means we do not we are not responsible for what these two do to each other. That's it. That's the only thing there is the only the only thing they have legal responsibility over is if God forbid the ref gets hurt. Then the ref can do something. He he can file a lawsuit. He can sue. He can get mad unless they made him sign a waiver, which I don't know for sure if they do. I just know the wrestlers do. So the ref might have a case, but Tommaso and Johnny, they have no case. So I, uh, when you and I watched this together, uh, there were a couple times where you jumped out of your seat. Yes. Uh, the first one was the first time Ciampa did the power bomb into the lung blower. Yeah. You jumped out of your seat because now, granted, that's the first time I've seen that move as well. Uh, I thought that move, that move is awesome never i had never seen it before you jumped out of your seat then you also jumped out of your seat when gargano just super kicks champa just square in the side of the face uh you just oh my god you jumped out of your seat and then champa kicks out and you're like what what that's not the finish you i'm sorry i'm, I'm just getting into it because you got into it so much i did because i well here's the thing uh even though i didn't see this match till later on as i was walking through bourbon street i did get notification apps on my phone so this is the tag team titles i kind of had new in the back of my mind what happened so i knew johnny won i just didn't know how he won and that's what i was most looking forward to so i felt at the time that should have been the finish 
to me because that was because the way he was doing the move and everything else was symbolic of, of what they did as DIY. Because Tommaso did his version earlier when he kind of hit him in the back of the head. Because that's how they did the move when they were a team. So I felt okay, he's gonna beat him with the move they used as DIY. Because to me, that would have been a great way to end it. That kind of it's, it's like it's like a symbolic thing, you sure. know? Like we were friends. This was our move, and I'm gonna beat you with my half of our move because you turned on me. So when he kicked out, I was like, okay, if this isn't the finish, what the hell are, are you possibly going to do? That's usually what I'm thinking. Whenever I see something that I know should be the finish, in my mind, like, that's how I would have closed this match. What else are you going to do to impress me? And I remember you were just like, just watch. Just, just watch. John, that's John. That's I said, just watch. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll watch. And then, surely enough, the middle turnbuckle gets exposed, and Johnny's got the crutch, and he goes to hit, and Tommaso covers his face, and Johnny stops. For a split second, I thought he was going, he was, he was having him cover his face, so he could just beat the hell. I was waiting for him to take the crutch and then have him, like, cover his face. And then have him just whack his exposed knee like five to five or six times. No, they had a moment there. They in, did in the in the middle of the ring for a minute. Uh, a reminiscing we used to be friends moment. Yeah, it did. That's not obviously we know how it turned out. Uh, but you have you have that that you know 30, 30, 40 seconds there where you think are they is was this their way of just apologizing to each other? Yeah, because if that was their way of apologizing, well, you know they are wrestlers. I guess wrestlers apologize by beating the hell out of each other, and to it's, me, to me, it makes sense. But you know, for a second there, you thought maybe they're gonna get back together. But you know, you, you, as you saw, didn't work out that way. No, because he sat down right next to him, which is how the cruiserweight classic moment ended. Yep. So I'm sitting there like, oh, this is crazy, and it wouldn't make sense. It, it felt like a movie, like almost like, and I, and I have to use these two as examples because the ones like come into my head is like at the end of like the the Batman that Batman movie, the Killing Joke, the animated one, the scene where like the, where Batman's cornering with the Joker, and Joker realizes he's done, so he's just waiting for Batman to just beat the, to just arrest him, beat the hell out of him, do whatever, and Batman has that moment where it's like, you know what? Maybe we don't have to kill each other because he said. Because Batman doesn't, Batman's whole code of he doesn't kill. He's like, but I'm running, but we're both running out of alternatives. Like, at some point, we're going to kill each other. Either you're going to kill me or I'm going to kill you and I don't want to do it. So he's like, you know what? Let me help. I don't know what happened to you, but maybe I've been there too. Like, you realize in that moment, both of them kind of had jaded pasts. Mm -hmm. Like, Batman has a dark history. Joker has a dark history. They both kind of blame each other for the dark history because Joker is a young kid. When Batman was young, Joker killed his parents. Batman accidentally dropped him in Nevada chemicals because he slipped out of his hand. So they have a story to tell. And in that moment, you're thinking, you know what? Maybe we're going to help each other. And then, of course, that ended a little bit differently. But even though Batman and Joker didn't become friends, but they did have a, a, a moment there. Like, And it was also kind of like, and, I, and this is going to be far out there, Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. That scene where they're beating the hell out of each other in their own house. And then at that point, they have that moment with that stare down with the guns, and Brad Pitt realizes, I can't do it. And then they reconcile there. So if they didn't reconcile with, with uh, Gargano Ciampa. They, yes, there, there wasn't. So he picks up, and then Ciampa picks up the knee brace, swings, misses, 
And then, you know, he locks in his Gargano escape. He locks in the Gargano escape. Then all of a sudden, he switches around, does an STF, which, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm probably sure Cena's going to let that go. But yeah, he's going to be fine with it. Yeah. But, you know, there's a, there's a moment where I was like, I wonder if John's going to be okay with that. <laughs> Stealing moves to win matches. Yeah. Sometimes when you there's certain not all wrestlers but certain wrestlers like you steal their finishing moves like like they will pull you to the side sometimes and be like why did you do that but I think within the confines of how it was done I don't think John's gonna care so I can't remember this one guy's name but I know there was a guy one time that used the attitude adjustment and Cena was none too pleased and kind of pulled him to the side and said dude don't ever do my finisher again. And, you know, that got him some heat with Cena. But it's like, and some and some fans got mad at Cena for that. I'm like, look, if I had a finishing move. That's mine. Yeah, it's mine. mine. Like, you you close your match with your own damn move or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Like, that's one thing. Like, it's not, this isn't like he's a retired veteran and his move is obsolete. Like, like for example, nowadays everybody does a leg drop. When Hogan did a leg drop, that nobody, was it. That was it. Like, that's why his leg drop will, will, will pin you for a one, two, three and somebody else's won't. This is Hulk Hogan. You know, it's like Macho Man. He did the elbow. No one else touched the elbow when Randy Savage was in his prime and doing it. Now everybody does it, and, he, and I'm sure if Randy was alive today, he wouldn't care if everybody does it. It's like it's like when DDP retired. He doesn't care that Randy Orton does an RKO. Yeah. He still would love to work a program with him and do a Diamond Cutter RKO versus Scenario. But he said, I love that Randy does it. You know, it worked out great. And, the, and in fact, I remember one time Triple H, like in, 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 back in the day, he, asked, he used the Diamond Cutter. And DDP called him. Now, he wasn't pissed, but he called him up. And he respectfully requested, because they've been friends, please don't do that anymore. He didn't threaten him. He just said, dude, you're like in your 20s. You got a whole career ahead of you. Not knowing he's going to run the company eventually. And he's like, I'm 35. This is probably the one run I'm going to get in my career. And I'm just getting this move over. So I really would appreciate it if you wouldn't do it anymore. Cut that one out. Yeah. <laughs> and when I missed it, a bee hunter said, yeah, sure, okay. That's why DDP says... Everybody badmouths Triple H. I never will. Because he could have buried me right then and there. Because he was in WWE, which got more publicity at the time in WCW, before the Monday Night Wars kicked up. You know, so right around then, everything was just, you know, crazy. But, so yeah, he locks in the STF, but he grabs the knee brace, jerks his face uses, up. Uses it for, uh, for uh, like, leverage, just to just to crank it some more. Oh, and Tommaso ch- taps out almost immediately. Pretty much instantly. Yep. And Johnny Gargano wins, gets his job back. I'm happy. Because I first thought Johnny, I thought if Johnny loses this match, he's getting called up. Well, as you and I discussed earlier, uh, Daniel Bryan has publicly said on Twitter and uh, on the interview with uh, Kathy Kelly that uh, he wants Gargano on SmackDown Live. And so, that, yeah, and I thought that was going to be an indicator that Tommaso was going to win, and then we'd probably see Johnny on SmackDown Live. But since he's already won, obviously he's going to be staying in NXT for a long time. Probably do another, they might have like a return grudge match with Tommaso, or maybe he will go for that. And maybe he'll finally, maybe he will win the NXT title. Well, uh, Gargano tweeted Daniel Bryan back and said, I appreciate the offer, but I have things left to do in NXT. Okay. So, as you just said, who knows what things mean, because things, for all for all we know, he could have just beat the hell out of Ciampa. They, yeah. worked, they worked their stuff out. Let's go get those tag titles. Yeah. Because they had them once. Who says they can't have them again? Exactly. Maybe something could happen. I don't know. Like, I think it's going to be something could happen down the line, because sometimes with rivalries, when they finally end, especially after you brutally killed each other, and there's no way you can follow it, there is a road back to reconciliation. Sometimes you'd be strong before it. Yeah, exactly. So at some point down the road, I don't think it's going to happen right away, but I think a few months down the road, if they're still in there, at some point, that team can reunite. 
absolutely. And I look forward to seeing that. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, will wrap up the uh, the recap here of NXT Takeover New Orleans. Uh, this was definitely one hell of a show. John, thanks a lot for joining me here for NXT TakeOver. Anytime, Vinny. Uh, I'll be here. You know where I am. <laughs> and I'm always watching NXT. So if you ever need the help, just let me know, man. I'm here for you. Now, obviously, this is a classic review that you guys are listening to. So... Obviously, at the time that this interview was recorded, John was, you know, making cameo appearances on the show before becoming a regular NXT correspondent. Now, obviously, over the last couple years, John has long since left the show. But from time to time, he does make a few, you know, cameo appearances on the Twitch channel and other pieces of content that we have on YouTube. But as far as being a regular correspondent, John has long since left the show. Uh, Zach has taken his place. Um, so far, Zach has done a, he's done a good job when he's sober. Uh, but obviously, I wanted to put this out here because this is a classic episode and it also featured John Tumblin at his best. And I can think I can speak for every Boochcast fan when I say as much as we enjoy hearing Zach on the show, we definitely miss John. And John, if you're listening to this, know that you are missed by everyone on the show. Uh, your insight into NXT and your passion for NXT was unparalleled. As I mentioned many times before, John was the one that got me to fall in love with NXT all over again. Because for a period of time, I had just walked away from NXT and didn't want to watch it. But John brought me back, and uh, even though he's had to leave the show because of changes in his life, you know, getting married and his job and everything else... You know, I respect that, and I just want to say one more time, John, thank you so much for everything you did on this show. It was always appreciated. It will always be appreciated, and anytime you want to come back on the show, whether to make a cameo appearance or if you ever decide you want to come back and be a regular co-host again, the door is always open for you to come back always now before we officially wrap up i'd like to remind you all to please follow the Boochcast. we are on anchor spotify google podcast and iHeartRadio. pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites also like us on facebook go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. we have archived episodes of the show as well as great content uh, make sure you follow us on twitter and instagram at the Boochcast. get the latest tweets photos and videos visit our youtube channel check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. You can also follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August the 5th for WWE SummerSlam. That's right. We'll be getting together for the biggest party of the summer in Ford Field in Detroit. Now, of course, they'll be in Detroit. We'll be on Twitch either from my house or somebody else's house depending on who wants to host the SummerSlam watch party but either way we'll be getting together on twitch.tv slash the boochcast Saturday August the 5th at 8 p.m. for the biggest party of the summer we also got our live D&D show coming soon our boochcast booking battle and a special treat in the works you can also support the boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the boochcast slash support 
Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. Same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere per month. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So to that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment, we use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe they're going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.